Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we're going to be talking about Shazam Fury of... No, I'm going to say that better. Shazam! Fury of the Gods! Because there's an exclamation mark there, so it's got to be announced like that. Okay, anyway, this is a sequel to the 2019 origin film Shazam! Both films have been directed by David F. Sandberg, who is typically a horror director, and I definitely feel as though there were more and better horror elements in the first one. If you haven't seen it, it's a good movie. I do like the first one. I mean... I didn't, and the funny thing is, I didn't like it when I first saw it, and then I started liking it the more I watched it, and then I rewatched it just before watching this new one, and I don't think it holds up that well, and I don't know why, because it was only, what, four years ago? But anyway, the second one is here, and it gets right into it from the offset. It is exactly what you want from a superhero sequel, it's no messing about, no fuss, no must, no coconuts, it's just get right into it. Old as a big CGI collapsing bridge set piece, I mean we've seen it all before, let's be real. We've seen pretty much this entire movie before, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not a great thing. Now, when I watch a movie like Shazam, I don't care about it being anything groundbreaking, but... I think actually what the first one was able to do was take a story that we kind of know, we've seen done before, but not in the superhero genre, whereas this is just everything we've seen in the superhero genre thrown into this movie, which that's what I have an issue with. So the first movie, it's basically big, right, with Tom Hanks, great movie, love that film, but what if instead of turning into, well, instead of this little kid turning into Tom Hanks, what if he turned into a superhero? Right, that is a really great concept and executed fantastically well. Not to mention the fact that that whole movie is about him, A, trying to find his mom who he lost as a baby, and B, trying to fit in with this new foster home that has taken him in, with the Shazam family as they later become. So there's a lot of heart there, right? This character, this universe, this story has a lot of heart, but I'm not going to lie, I feel as though they kind of just shoved that to one side for the majority of this movie and then brought it back towards the end, trying to get us on board again but I wasn't really I wasn't grasping that heart that the first movie had and I'm not saying that it needed to be there in full force but I think when you've got a movie that works so well for so many different reasons I'm pretty sure the majority of the people you will ask will say oh I loved the family dynamic I loved the emotional oomph that this movie had because it was heavy going for anybody that is adopted or has been in foster care or has just lost their way and they're trying to find their people. That's what the movie is there for. Whereas this time round, what the f*** can you relate to? Can you relate to the daughters of Atlas trying to come and destroy the world and shifting buildings around like you're playing Sims Cross with Minecraft? I don't think so. Can you relate to feeding Skittles to unicorns or flying dragons? I don't think so either. So I'm really not sure what this film is trying to be because... It is, on the one hand, trying to replicate that same heavy emotional weight that the first movie had in terms of Billy being able to... Hang on a minute. Billy Batson being... <laughs> Billy Batson being... Uh, I, I've lost my train of thought because I just thought of that alliteration. Anyway, um, he's about to age out of the system. So once he turns 18, technically speaking... They're not going to abandon him, but he could be forced to, you know, go out and find a job or leave the home or whatever. But of course, you know, this family is so loving and caring, they're going to find ways to make it work. So I think that had potential to be as emotional and to be as impactful in terms of how an audience responds to a film like this and a story like this. But when you've got scenes that are completely random and jumbled up and the editing is all over the place, the character dynamics just don't seem to be there... I feel like Zachary Levi at the centre of it, he's good. I don't think he's actually as bad as people think he is, 
but I do think that he's missing the point of what he's trying to be in this film, because he's playing Trezan one way, but then, well, he's playing Billy one way, because that's the other thing, I don't want to spoil it, but at the end of this movie, he finally discovers what his superhero name is, and it feels like the kind of thing that was explicitly obvious from the start of the very first film, so I'm honestly not sure what the f*** has happened there, because it seems as though he really doesn't have the wisdom of Saruman, <laughs> yeah, this movie is pretty funny, I will say that, I was laughing a little bit, but it's just when Zachary Levi is trying to be funny his way, but it's the complete polar opposite of how Billy Batson, uh, played by Asher Angel when he's a kid, how he's playing him, so you've got two completely different characters that are supposed to be the same guy, but why are they contradicting themselves, because at least Darla, who is played by Megan Good when she's older, she, she's so f annoying though, I'm not gonna lie, she was kind of adorable in the first movie, but when she shazams and when she is playing the same young girl, but in an adult form, and it's just embarrassing, like, that is okay, because that is exactly the character that she is, but I don't necessarily like it, because personally it grated on me immensely, but still, she's actually done the homework, paid attention, who is this character? Zachary Levi doesn't seem to have done that, maybe he's read the comics, maybe he's understood who Shazam is, and he's playing up to that, I understand, but he's not playing up to Asher Angel's Billy Batson, Steph, I love how, okay, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but I love how so many superhero alter egos have that alliterative name, like Freddie Freeman in this and Billy Batson, the main character, but also the actor that plays Billy Batson is called Asher Angel. That's just kind of perfect, so I love that. And he's great when he's finally in it. He's only in like two scenes. He had the majority of the work to do in that first movie, and now it's just completely thrown out the window. Let's just have Zachary Levi playing Shazam for at least 90% of this movie. And I don't like that because I almost liked the naivety of younger Billy and when he would when he would say Shazam and when he'd, you know, power up and whatever, that happened a lot more in the first movie. This time round, it only happens, I'm not even kidding. They say Shazam about maybe three or four times, and that's how they become the the other person, but yeah, a little bit disappointing in terms of the content of that, because, yeah, again, it feels like they've taken two things, at least, that worked so well from that first movie, and butchered it for this new one, in terms of dragons and representation, and on the one hand, the representation is good, you've got three leading ladies playing the sisters of the, well, the daughters of Atlas, the sisters of the, I don't no, the daughters of Atlas, anyway, you've got Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, and Rachel Zegler, whose first movie was West Side Story two years ago. Now, she's amazing in this film, she's really good, she's got extreme potential for being an absolutely outstanding actor. Helen Mirren is pretty great too, I really enjoyed her in it. Lucy Liu, though, she's playing it up for the money so badly, and I like her as an actor, I think she's really fun, she's great, she's iconic, you know, Kill Bill, Charlie's Angels, you name it, even the Kung Fu Panda movies, but I wasn't really sold on her in this film, to be honest. She was just kind of cashing it in, and I'm not a fan of that, so... Yeah, it's just, it's a very typical DC movie too, there's a big dome, it's basically the Simpsons movie crossed with Justice League. At one point I thought there was going to be a portal opening up in the sky, and I'm like, thank f god they didn't do that. That would have been so annoying if that happened again. At one point though, I'm pretty sure they just completely forgot about the force field that was surrounding Philadelphia, because it wasn't there, you know, it just disappeared. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of continuity issues and just general questionable things that happen. 
there's a lot of product placement I wasn't a fan of, but yeah, I mean, look, that's me done talking about the negative, and no, one more thing, there's a gay character, which is, you know, hallelujah, that's amazing, but don't worry, he's only got one line, okay, that's great so the fact that beforehand a lot of people are saying oh yeah finally there's gonna be a gay character this is great and then everybody was also saying i bet he only has one line and yep you got it he only has one insinuation and one line about coming out so yeah fantastic representation there it's just fake representation right yeah you've got these three women at the center of it that's great and you've got different backgrounds of characters there's a black character there's an asian character there's a gay character that's all great but actually give them something to f do because a lot of them do not have anything to do and this is my problem as well the fact that the family just gets completely shut out for the majority of this movie and the dynamic that was there at the end of the first movie just gone i don't think there's much chemistry between them and the wizard is back all right jaimon honsu he was only in the first one a little bit and then he was in aquaman playing a different character and then he returned in uh, Black Adam, which, okay, I, I kind of want to mention that, but I also don't because of spoilers. But, okay, if you know the comics, you'll know that Black Adam is basically the yang to Shazam's yin. And so it's extremely ironic that we've had a Black Adam movie just months ago, and now we've got a Shazam movie, but the two of them do not meet up, right? I know that's a spoiler for me to say, but I also do not give a sh because I want to see Black Adam versus Shazam, right? That is what the characters do. So why not give it to us? Why give us this movie, which sets up something completely different? Maybe later down the line they could come back. But also, if you know anything about what's going on with DC in the real world right now, you will know that we will probably never see these characters again. And so what it sets up in the post credit scene and by the end of this movie, completely unnecessary. Okay, absolutely pointless. So ultimately... I, I don't know what this film is because I actually had a good time with it for the most part. I thought it was fun and entertaining and, yeah, stupid and predictable and like every other action superhero movie I've ever seen. But something about it was still, you know, fairly enjoyable and definitely watchable. So I'd say, you know, if you've not got anything else to do, go and watch it on a rainy day, go to the cinema, watch it or wait until it's streaming and watch it. You'll probably have a good time with it. But you're not going to think about it long after. I don't see myself watching it again and again for years to come, unlike the first movie, but now in hindsight, maybe I won't anymore. It's a fine film, and I feel like that's pretty funny me saying after I've just grilled it for 10 minutes, but I, I just do think, you know, there's issues, but there are positives, and it was better than I thought it was going to be, because the first movie got 71 out of 100 on Metacritic, this one's got 47 and counting, which is not good, but I don't think it was that bad. I still think it's dumb and it's stupid and there's a bunch of plot holes in the narrative and the, the script because it's written... Okay, here you go. This is really going to break your brain. It was co-written by Chris Morgan, who has done some of the Fast and Furious movies, and it stars Helen Mirren, who is in a couple of the Fast and Furious movies. And then, when Shazam says at one point, to Helen Mirren, I've seen all of the Fast and Furious movies, ladies. I know it's all about family. Huh. <laughs> Well, if he's seen all of them, he'll recognise her, won't he? Alright, clearly he would recognise Helen Mirren. So, how does that work? I don't understand. I really don't get it. And then another thing, when um, Rachel Zegler, when Anthea is using her powers, she can basically, like, move things. She can just make everything turn blocky. And it just felt like watching a Doctor Strange movie. When he's going into the mirror dimension, things like that, that's exactly what happens in this movie too. But... When she's moving all these buildings and they're spinning around like there's no tomorrow, I want to know, 
are there people inside? Like, are they going, whoa, what's going on? This is so weird. Or are they just dead? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So, yeah, it's questionable, sure. But I think you'll still have a good time with it. You won't enjoy one scene, which is just nightmare fuel. Okay, and I know it is a dream sequence, so it's understandable. But I don't even know what it is because it looked real. It looked practical, what they were doing. But if you want to see what Wonder Woman looks like crossed with a mystical, magical, dreadlocked man, then yeah, this movie has that for you. But it's just, it's f horrible to look at. This is my problem, okay? DC is just a complete f train wreck at this point and it's definitely time for them to just start from scratch actually have a plan or stick to it at least and hopefully they'll be a lot better than this because when you've got these amazing characters and pretty great actors playing these characters too but you cannot get them in the movie so you have to shoot it in a way that is obscuring them like there's a shot of the back of a character and it's clearly not them but they just shrug their shoulders like we're supposed to believe that's what they do like they would never do something like that they would just any normal person would turn around in that situation and actually talk to the other person but because we can't get the actor in we're gonna have to do this but it's like what is going on? These actors, when they sign up for a universe like this, they should come back for every single thing that they are required of. But I get that scheduling issues make things difficult, but still, it's just embarrassing. Like, it's really embarrassing. So the fact they did it again, but there was kind of a bigger payoff by the end. I don't know. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was clever. Not for me, though. So ultimately, Shazam, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, it's watchable, it's fine, it's enjoyable for some of it. The action is daft but good, the performances are mixed, and overall, while I would watch it again, and probably will watch it again, I'm not going to be holding my breath for whatever comes next for this character and this franchise, because, yeah, the ending... It could have been great, but then they basically just do a massive U-turn on what could have been a great ending in favour of what is a typical superhero movie ending. And then they tack on an even worse ending when a character that should never be mentioning Uber says his Uber is outside. I just don't understand. I don't get it. Like, what is this writing? God, it's so grating. So damn grating. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it more than me. But it was better than I expected it to be. So, yeah. I don't know, think of it like that. And yeah, going with low expectations, right? Expect disappointment and you will never be disappointed. So with that, I've been Kieran. This has been Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Not really much Fury, to be honest, but anyway, it's in cinemas now, by the way. And I will say, final thing, pacing is pretty good, right? For a two hour, 10 minute movie, or however long it is, it's just over two hours. It actually felt pretty quick. Didn't drag, didn't feel slow. There's a couple of moments too where it made me feel like a giddy child, like thinking of Harry Potter and things like that. So yeah, when it does that, when it goes for the magical elements, it's actually all right. But then it just, you know, comes back to Earth, literally, with a bad script, a confused performance, and bad product placement and narrative choices. So yeah, yeah, that's me done. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed, and I shall speak to you in the very next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.